My name is Mike Collins. You can call me anything you want. Mike, Mr. Collins, whatever you guys want. So let me tell you a little bit about myself, just real quick so you know who I am. Um, I lived in Wisconsin for a long time, so I'm a big Packer fan. Is there any other Packer fans here tonight? No? Nobody? Yes? Who? What are they? <laughs> no Packer fans? All right. You can't, you're a Packer fan? All right. Well, there we go. I got one friend. Whatever question you answer tonight, you automatically get it right, okay? All right, you guys might see me up on stage. I play guitar sometimes. I also like to build hot rods. If you guys get old enough to get your license, you want to get a really cool car, let me know because I can hook you up. So we're going to talk tonight about 1 Thessalonians, and I want you to know that you guys can ask any question you want as we go through this tonight, okay? So whatever you want to know, if something comes up, just go ahead and ask. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You must be a Packer fan, aren't you? <laughs> Packers got ripped off today. I'm just saying. That's all I can say. All right, go Vikings. <laughs> all right, so let's start at chapter one, or chapter one, verse one. Let me just read these ten verses here, and then we'll get going. Okay, so this is Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church in Thessalonica, in God the Father and the Lord and Lord Jesus Christ. We always thank God for all of all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how He lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. Okay, so the question here that we got to ask is, why is Paul telling them all this stuff? Why is he writing to these guys? And who are these guys? These guys are, they call this Thessalonians. These are people from the city of Thessalonica. And so the background here is that Paul was in jail in, in Philippi. And he was in jail for quite a while. There's a big problem going on and so forth. And when he finally got out of jail, he left there, and he went to Thessalonians, or Thessalonica. And he was there for about, oh, about two months or so. It says he went, to the, he went to their church three times. So he was there for three different Sunday services, if you will. And so when he was preaching to them during those three times, it says that uh, um, several Jews, some Jews, a large number of Greeks, and a large number of prominent women were saved. And so that's who he's writing to. That's the church at Thessalonica is made up of these Jews, a big number of Greeks, and some prominent women. That's who he's writing to here. And he says to them that, um, that they were saved during that time. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about how he can see that they're saved and how they're doing all this work. He says in, um, in verse, let's see, which one is this? Verse 6, he says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with, with words, but with power, the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. Notice He says you were chosen. Okay, Now, He's talking to them. 
That doesn't mean you were chosen. He's talking to them in Thessalonians that said you were chosen. And he says you were chosen, and the reason I know you were chosen is because the gospel came with power, which it always does. Whenever you hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the way it can save you, it always comes with power. And he says, and the Holy Spirit was involved. It's the same thing with each of you. When, when you hear the gospel news, you hear about how you can be saved, it always comes with, um, with the Holy Spirit. And it comes with deep conviction, okay? But he says they were chosen. If you look up that word in the original language and figure out what that means, it simply means to choose somebody, okay? It means it comes from the word to choose or to select, or it means specifically to choose or to select. And so he chose them, but how did he choose them? I mean, what's that process that gets them to be chosen when you might be chosen, right? How is that? Well, if you skip over to Second to First Thessalonians chapter two, down around verse thirteen, it says, "And we also thank God continually because because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, and not as the word from men, but as it actually is, the word of God." which is at work in you who believe. In other words, they heard the good news and they believed it and they accepted it and that's how they were chosen. It's always that same way. You always hear it and then you believe it and then you're saved. That's always the process. When you look at what it says in the Bible, it says that God does the saving, God provides the power, God provides the conviction, and, and He provides the gospel message of the good news. He does all of that. But your part, what you guys have to do, is you have to accept it. You have to hear it, you have to believe it, and you have to accept it. That's your part of the equation, okay? Um, it says, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Okay? It doesn't say you might be saved. It doesn't say you could be saved. It doesn't say... You'll be saved if you do all these other different things. All it says is, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. It also says, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. In other words, be saved. In other words, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and you confess that, you ask Him for forgiveness of your sins, you will be saved. There's no question about it. There's no maybe, there's no if, there's no other conditions attached to it. That's it. It says in Ephesians, it says, it says, you were included in Christ when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Again, you heard, you believed, and you were saved. Now, after you're saved, what Paul's talking about here in Thessalonians is he's showing all these things that these guys have done after they were saved. Notice, you go further down here, and he says, um, at the beginning in verse 3, he says, your works produced by faith. In other words, once you were saved, you did a bunch of work for God. Your labor prompted by love. Your endurance inspired by hope. All of those things came after they were saved. And going down to verse 6, he says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. In other words, you looked at, how I, I, as Paul, was living my life as a Christian. I'm following what God told me to do, and you were looking at what God wants you to do, and you became imitators of that. After you were saved, you started acting the way that I acted. And he says, um, in spite of severe suffering, 
you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. They welcomed the message. They heard the message. They heard the good news that they could be saved. And they welcomed that. And they were saved right away. And then they did all this stuff. They were telling people about it. Other people knew about it. They heard about it. And even people that are in different cities were telling people about the Thessalonians, how they were living for God so much because they could see it. It became obvious, right? Now, you don't know me at all, right? I mean, this is for the first time you guys have seen me. I played guitar in church sometime, but that's about it, right? And short of me telling you what my story is for how I got saved, you might not know if I was saved or not, right? I mean, that makes sense unless you heard it from me. I mean, you might assume that they wouldn't let me play guitar in church unless I was saved, right? Or you might assume that they wouldn't let me stand up here and teach you guys tonight unless I was saved. But unless you hear my story, you wouldn't know whether I was saved or not. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's telling the Thessalonians their story. He's, it's like he's looking in a photo album and he's saying to them, look, here's all the things I see in you. I was there, I came and I preached to you, told you the good news, you became saved. And then, and then after that, I saw you do all this stuff and now I know you're saved because... Because look at all these things that you're obviously doing, okay? It's the same with me. You could look at me and you could say, well, I see that you're in church all the time, and I see that you play guitar, and I see that you're teaching us tonight, and I see that you read your Bible and stuff, but unless I tell you my story, you don't really know whether I'm saved or not. You see, this is their story. This is how the people at Thessalonica were saved. Paul came, he taught them, they believed, and they were saved. The question is, do you have a story? Do you have a day when you were saved that you could tell people about? Okay, you got to have a, a stake in the sand. When I when I lived up in Wisconsin, I used to be an elder at the church up there, and one of the things that being on the leadership that we used to be able to do was we could go to um, these membership classes that they had, and membership classes are where people are coming to the church and they like the church and they want to join the church and become part of it, right? And so they'd come and we'd teach them about all the things that we believed and we'd talk to them about how the church is organized and how it works and all that stuff. But one thing we required of them is that they had to be saved to be part of the church. And so we had asked them to tell us their story. And people used to tell these stories. And I, I loved doing that. It was one of my favorite things as a leader to do was to sit in those membership classes and listen to people tell me their story of how they got saved because they're all different. Everyone was different. But there was one group of people, every once in a while, somebody would come in and they would say, well, I can't really think of a day or a time when I was saved, but I've always gone to church, and I've always felt like, you know, I've got a relationship with God, and I've always prayed to Him, but there's not really a certain day or a time or an event when I remember really confessing to God that I was a sinner and asking Him into my heart. That used to always bother me, because you need a stake in the ground, right? You need a day when that happens. You, there, the, it's an event. It's something that happens in your life. Here in Thessalonica, um, Paul taught them on three different Sundays, and all these people came forward and were saved. And he can write about it because he was the guy that was teaching them about it, right? So, but it always bothered me that those people didn't have a story. Let me tell you my story, okay? This is, this is how I was saved. I was about five years old. We lived in Canfield, Ohio, and um, I was, we had a, a white house out in the country. I was sitting on the front steps of my house. We attended a church called Old North Church. And so I had gone there and I knew that if I wanted to go to heaven, the only way I was going to go to heaven is I had to ask Jesus Christ into my heart and ask Him for forgiveness of my sins or I was going to go to hell. That was it. 
And I understood that. Even at five years old, I understood that. And so I was sitting on the front steps. I remember I had on my baseball uniform. It was white. And I had green pinstripes, and green socks, and black shoes. And I had a green baseball hat on. I had my baseball gloves. And I said, that's it. You know, I, I need to be saved. I know I need to be saved. And so I prayed. And I asked God to come into my heart. And I said, you know, please forgive me of my sins. And I don't want to go to hell. I want, I want you to be in my heart. So please save me. And he did. And I've been saved ever since then. Right? That's my story. That's my stake in the ground. That's the day I was saved. And I've been saved ever since. Okay? I've lived my whole life as a Christian almost. I mean, I hadn't really done much that was wrong by the time I was five years old. I mean, I didn't know really what sin was that much at that point, but I knew I had to be saved. Okay? Let me tell you my family's story. My grandfather, my grandpa Collins, um, he was saved when he was about 35 years old. And he, as he says, he was a great sinner. He did everything Satan wanted him to do. He drank and ran around and, and got in fights and was angry, and he just was a terrible person. In fact, when he got saved, his friends said, he's the guy that needed it more than anybody else. That's what they said about him. If anybody should have been saved, it should have been Red Collins because he needed it worse than anybody. That's how bad a guy he was. But the way he got saved is um, he was working at work, and he sprained his ankle real bad. And um, it hurt enough that he couldn't walk around on it. He was a machinist, so he had to stand all day, and he couldn't do that. So he went to the doctor, and the doctor looked at it, and he said, well, it's not broken. He said, but you did sprain it really bad, and you need to put some liniment oil on it. Does anybody know what liniment oil is? It's like Bengay or Icy Hot. You know what Icy Hot is? Okay, it's that kind of stuff, all right? And so he prescribed it. Back then, you had to get a prescription for it. So he prescribed this liniment oil for him, and he went down to the drugstore, and he got it. He went home, and he put it on his ankle on the inside where it was hurting, and he laid down in bed, and he went to sleep. He woke up a couple hours later, and what he found out was they had not given him liniment oil. They had given him acid, and it ate all the skin off of his ankle, and all the muscles and all the tendons were all hurt and damaged, and he had just a big hole where there used to be skin, and all of a sudden, he couldn't work anymore because he could not get around, and they had all kinds of problems trying to get his ankle to heal, and it wouldn't heal, and they couldn't get the infection out of it, and it was terrible. And I'm telling you, he suffered with that his entire life. I can remember when he was 80 years old, and he still had problems with that ankle. But he got so desperate, and he got so down in the dumps, because he wasn't a Christian, that he finally said, I got to be saved. I got to turn to God. Back then, they used to have these guys that go around, and they used to have these tent meetings, they called them evangelistic tent meetings. And they set up a great big tent, all the people in the community would come, and they'd listen to this guy teach. And my grandfather took my grandfather and his wife and then my father and his sister, all four of them, and they went to this meeting, and they heard the good news. And all four of them went up that night and decided to be saved, and that's his story. And from that point forward, he lived for God the rest of his life, okay? So here's, here's the question. What's your story? You know, do you have a story? I mean, some of you are probably sitting there thinking, yeah, I can remember when I was saved. I know what happened and I know when it was and I could tell you the story. And maybe some of you are sitting here thinking tonight, I don't have a story. I really, I really don't have a time when, you know, I told Jesus that I needed to be saved. And so, you know, you're probably worried about that. I mean, if I went around the room and I asked each one of you guys, tell me your story. Tell me when you were saved. Could you do that? Okay. Look, for some of you tonight, maybe this is going to be your story. Maybe tonight will be your story right? You're going to, 10 years from now, your story you're going to tell is, you know what? 
I was in living in Eureka, and we went to this um, church one night at this at this youth group thing. And this guy got up and he talked about needing to have a story, and I knew I didn't have a story. And I thought, you know, what am I going to do? You know, I don't have a story. I'm not really saved. And so I decided right then and there that I was going to be saved. Or I went home that night and I talked to my mom and dad and I said, you know, I had to be saved. And so you prayed to God. Look, all you got to do is pray to God, ask him to forgive you of your sins, and you're saved. That's all there is to it. This is the good news, what I'm giving you right now. This is what Paul taught the people in Thessalonica. This is what I'm teaching you. This is how you become saved. So your story might be that tonight's the night or this week is the night, okay? Um, Some of you will already have a story. And I'd like to hear your story, to be honest, you know. Um, you don't have to tell me now in front of everybody. I mean, unless you want to, you're welcome to do that. But, you know, at some point, I'd like, I like to hear your story. Maybe after church someday when, um, when you come into the, the service and we get done at the end and I'm packing my guitar up, you guys can come up and tell me your story. I'd love to hear it. It's one of my favorite things to do is hear how people are saved, okay? But I'm telling you, don't put it off. Don't wait. A lot of people think it's cool to wait. Every person I've ever met in my life that's saved later in life, they don't like it. They say they wasted their entire life, and they wish they'd have been like me and be saved when they were five years old and lived their whole life for God. A lot of advantages to living your life for God. You don't get into the things that uh, you might get into otherwise, and you save yourself a lot of problems and a lot of heartache going forward. I'm just telling you. As, as somebody who's 54 years old, I can tell you, I see a lot of heartache from people that don't get saved early. So don't put it off. But look, we're going to take a few minutes here. What I want you to do is we're going to Break up. How many leaders we got? Raise your hand if we got leaders. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Um, okay, the guy leaders, guys split up and get with one of these three leaders, okay? And the girls split up and get with the girl leaders and just divide in half. What I want you to do is I want you to tell your story, okay? Tell what your story is about how you got saved. 